Somebody make some Holy Ghost noise in this house. But it'd be all right if somebody just let the devil know tonight I'm leaving with victory. Tonight I'm leaving with a breakthrough. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. I don't know if I've preached yet out of anything but the book of Psalms, but let's go to the book of Psalms, chapter 20. Um, there's a reason for that. I, I, this is a part of my Bible reading program every day. I want to challenge you. Uh, if you want to get to know God better, take the book of Psalms and read five chapters a day. And uh, it's not easy. I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that it's not easy. But you'll read the book through once a month. And uh, the Bible says he encompasses them about with songs of deliverance. And uh, that's what the angels of the Lord are singing as they encamp around the people of God. Songs of deliverance, I believe, anyway. And uh, there is no better way to get a breakthrough than to just open up the Word of God to the book of Psalms and just start reading it right in the devil's face. Amen. Amen. I give honor tonight to the wonderful bishop of this house. And he is not just a bishop of the Northwest, but he carries a big stick. You, let me just put it like I'm in Mississippi. I, I don't believe the devils in Northwest are, are the only ones that are afraid of him. I believe devils all over the country are afraid of him. And amen. Amen. Give honor to him and his wonderful wife. They are some of God's very best. And I honor them tonight. And I honor the wonderful saints of God that have came to church uh, with one thing on their mind. Anybody got anything? I mean, I ain't got nowhere else to be but in the house of God. I got one thing on my mind. Let's have church. Amen. Now, forgive me for my voice since I last seen you. Um, I don't even remember. I think I've been in seven or eight services since last Tuesday night. And uh, so my voice is running on E. But I'm going to give you every bit I got tonight. And I believe that God's going to give us everything that he's got. And we're just going to see a miracle in this place. When God typically gives me a thought, I have to decide uh, which way we're going to go. If we're going to preach expositionally or exegetical. And tonight I'm just going to take a few moments, hopefully. And uh, somebody else said, yeah, hopefully. Um, and uh, preach expositionally from this chapter. We're going to read this whole chapter through, and then we're going to preach our way through it. Would that be all right tonight? Yeah. Psalms chapter 20 and verse 1. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. That makes me want to shout right there all by itself. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary. Strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation. And then in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord, somebody shout the Lord. The Lord, the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Verse 7 is very familiar to many of us. It says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we, somebody shout we. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. Verse 8 says, they are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, 
let the king hear us when we call. And I just simply want to preach to you tonight something that you already know, but I want to affirm it in your spirit, and I want you to leave here tonight using the weapon that God has given you when he gave you his word. I just simply want to preach tonight there is power in the name of Jesus. How many believe that? How many believe that? Come on, how many believe that there's power in the name of Jesus over every situation? over every circumstance, over every demonic spirit. Lord, right now in your name, we pray that you would come down into this house on a Monday night and that you would have your way, that your anointing would flow through this place. God, that you would destroy every yoke and every fetter. God, that you would anoint every saint of God, that you would put power in their tongue to speak your name and to speak with power and dominion that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, somebody clap your hands one more time unto the Lord and magnify Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Undoubtedly, we will talk about this at length tonight, but this psalm is cut off or cut up into three different sections that are written by different people. We understand that this is a psalm of David. David, a mighty man with a pen and with a sword, is writing here, and we don't know the exact timeline of the psalm. It's not one of those places that we can read and see that David was writing from Gath or David was writing from the cave of Adullam. David was running from Saul or David had just taken the, taken the head of Goliath. But this is not one of those psalms. So we don't know when David writes this. However, through study, we do know the setting of where David writes this psalm. The picture here is that hundreds, most probably thousands, are in and around the temple of David and are preparing for battle. David has set up a makeshift temple for, uh, for the things of God, for the anointed furniture, for the Ark of the Covenant. And this picture here is drawn as thousands of men are surrounding this makeshift temple and they are getting ready to prepare for battle. We don't know who they're fighting, but we do know that they don't like Israel because there's a lot of people that come against Israel because Israel only believes that there's one God. The biggest problem for, the, for Israel was not who they were. It wasn't just the favor, but it's who they had believed in. The devil didn't like it when you proclaim that there's only one God. The devil didn't like it when you stand flat-footed and quote Deuteronomy 6 and 4. He, the Bible says the very reason that he got kicked out of heaven is he assumed he was going to be like God and he was going to share the glory of God. He likes it when people say that there's more than one. He just don't like it when you declare that there is one God. So Israel is attacked not because of what they've done wrong but because of what they've done right. They have stood flat-footed and declared there's only one God and we worship him and him alone. And I'm here to tell you 
tonight on a Monday night. There's only one God, and I'm here to worship him. Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but the Lord. I'm not here to worship what the world has to offer. I'm here to worship Jesus. There's only one God. They are attacked because of their belief system in this uh, one God. And again, David and, uh, begins to write this psalm as he is looking at thousands of men getting ready to go to battle. Picture with me as David looks over the congregation and excuse me today if my raising comes out, but I picture this as thousands of men that are men's men. These are men. They, they don't worry about breaking a nail. David's looking at them kind of men. And David begins to write a psalm. Now, again, they are preparing for battle. We're going to preach here in a minute. We're just talking right now. But they are preparing for battle. Some of them, this may be their last day to live in the earth. Some of them, this it may be their this may be their last time to look at the King David, Bishop Mayo, and hear him speak the songs of Zion. And as David is preparing these men to go to battle, thousands of them at a time, the first words out of his mouth is the Lord hear you in the day of trouble. The name of God of Jacob defend thee. Say, well, that's not really important. Oh, yes, it is because they haven't went to battle yet. They haven't got in trouble yet. They haven't got to the place to where the battle looks like it's going against their direction. They haven't got to the place where their back's against the corner. They're not standing there at the very end of the rope yet, but God gives them a prophetic word through the apostle or through the prophet David, and he says, boys, I want you to hear something. You're going out to fight people that don't like you because of who you serve and who you worship, but let me tell you something. The name of the Lord is going to be your defender. The name of the Lord is going to hear you and is going to help you and defend you out of Zion. I've just come to preach to somebody today that maybe you're not in the battle, but you're getting ready to go to battle. I've come to tell you why we're fighting for dominion in the Northwest, why we're fighting for revival in the Northwest, why you got your sword and your shield in your hand. The name of Jesus is going to... Lord is going to defend you when you go out to the battle and the devil says he's going to take everything you got. The name of the Lord is going to defend you. The, oh, the Lord's going to hear you in the day of trouble. Can I preach to somebody right now whose back's against the wall and the devil told you he was going to take you out? The Lord hear you in the day of trouble. I know you've been praying and you feel like God ain't been listening but you hear this preacher right now. The Lord hear you in the day of trouble. Your kids seem like they're going to hell in a handbasket, but the Lord hears you in the day of trouble. Your marriage might be on the rocks, but the Lord hears you in the day of trouble. Your money might be depleted, but the Lord hears you in the day of trouble. Depression on every hand, but the 
Come on, I know it's simple right now, but I want you to start living in faith and understand God hears you when you pray. God is listening while you're in the battle, while you're in the test. The Lord hears you when you pray. The Lord hear you in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. He goes on and says, send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. He said, you're going to battle. He said, but the Lord's going to defend you. The Lord's going to help you out of the, see, oh, help me, Jesus. I'm not the pastor, but just let me help you right now. That's why you got to show up at church. Send thee help from the sanctuary. I never understood people that get in a, in a trial and want to stay home from church. I never understood people that get depressed and then say, well, I don't know if I'm going to go to church tonight. Baby, this is where my help comes from. God said the name of the Lord is going to send you help out of the sanctuary. When you're down and out, you know what you need to do? You need to get in your car. There might not even be church, but you need to get in your car, drive to the house of God, and just start walking around in the sanctuary because this is where my help comes from. This is where my strength comes from. I'm not afraid of what the devil can do to me. I know where the sanctuary is at. I know where the spirit of the Lord dwells. I know where God helps his people. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I'm not here to preach to you this portion to you because you're here. But God help us. God help people in Spokane, Washington to figure out that they're not going to fix it on their own. Their help's going to come out of the sanctuary. God help this city to understand if we're going to fix this city it's not going to be because of a program it's not going to be because Congress made it up in their mind we're going to move this and we're going to move that it's not going to be because we take up even an offering and try to spend it on the homelessness and I believe in all of that but if this city's going to be changed it's going to be because the help comes out of the sanctuary the name of the Lord is going to help you out of the sanctuary quite literally understand this is referring to the man Christ Jesus who himself called his body the temple that would be torn down and rebuilt again in three days and so David not knowing what he was saying but knowing of assurance that he was prophesying under the spirit of the Lord says that there is a name that is going to defend you out of the house of God that is going to help you and that is going to strengthen you well preacher how do you know that he was talking about Jesus how do you know that he was saying that Jesus was going to be a defender well let me just tell you there was a little woman caught in the act of adultery that had been thrown at the feet of this very same 
Jesus. The religious leaders had stones in their hand and they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, Moses and the law says that she's supposed to die, but we want to know what do you say? And the Bible says that Jesus didn't even answer them a word, but he stepped down into the ground and he began to write in the sand. He stands up and looks at each and every one of these men and said, ye without sin cast the first stone. Do you want to know if he's the defender? There'd be a little woman that had been in adultery that figured out that day that the name of the Lord is a great defender. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. You don't deserve to be here, but the name of the Lord defended you. The accuser of the brethren told God you were supposed to be written off, but the name of the Lord, we have an advocate with the Father, the man Christ Jesus. When the enemy comes in and says they're not worthy, the name of the Lord will be my defense. When the enemy comes in and says they deserve to die, the name of the Lord will be my I'm telling you tonight on a Monday night that there is power in the name of Jesus. How do you know he's a help? You can ask Brother Peter when the water is closing in because you stepped out on faith and now you're beginning to sink if, he's, if he'll be your helper. How do you know he's his strength? You can ask the woman bowed over with the spirit of infirmity that Jesus in one moment can stand her up. This is an Old Testament picture pointing towards the promise of the Messiah and the promise of the salvation that would come from the Messiah. He said, I want you to get this right right now. You're going to battle. And David's prophesying. And he says, but there's going to be a name that comes out of the house of God. I, David didn't. It was a mystery to David. It, it, it was hidden behind. It was. A, we see through a glass window darkly, David could say. He didn't understand all that he was saying. But even in the Psalms chapter 20, there's a revelation of the power that's in the name of Jesus. Before Jesus would ever work a miracle, David was prophesying of the help that his name would bring. Before Jesus ever saved anybody, David was prophesying of the power that's in the name of Jesus. And so as they go on, I don't have time to preach verse 3. Oh, Jesus, I wish I did because I'd preach all night on that one scripture. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice. Grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. So you notice here, this is, this is verse 1 through 4. This is David and the priests that are singing together. As David is stepping to the pulpit, he steps up. He steps up with Pastor Mayo, and they begin to sing this song, verses 1 through 4, together. And so this is encouraging the men that are getting ready to go to battle. They're getting ready to put their life on the line. And David tells them, boys, I just want you to know that there's power in the name of the God of Jacob. He's going to defend you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to help you. He's going to remember every time you sacrificed. He's going to remember every time you brought an offering to the Lord. And then 
then he said, and he will grant thee according to thine own heart, fulfill all thy counsel. Verse 5 is powerful because the spirit of prophecy moves at this moment from David and the priest to the whole congregation. Can you picture with me for a moment? Because chapter 5, everybody sings this together. Chapter 5 is everybody joining in on the, or, or verse 5, everybody's joining in on the song. David's been getting anointed, kind of like what happens when a preacher gets in the pulpit and start getting anointed. But verse 5, the congregation gets anointed with the preacher and they scream out. Can you imagine 10,000 soldiers at one time shouting, we will rejoice in thy salvation and in the name of our God will we set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Understand, they haven't went to the battle yet, but the spirit of David got on the congregation and they begin to prophesy and they said we're going to rejoice in the salvation that we haven't seen yet. We haven't got to the battle, but we're going to rejoice in the fact that you're the God that saves. We're going to rejoice in the fact that you're the God that's never lost the battle. We're going to rejoice in the fact that... Oh my God, that on a Monday night we will rejoice in thy salvation. Preacher, you don't understand how bad it's been. I don't have anything to shout about. David said you did. Our brother gave a testimony earlier. If you don't have anything else to rejoice about, you can rejoice in the salvation of the Lord. The spirit of David started getting on the men of that congregation. I don't know what it looked like, but God, I wish I could see through the Spirit what it looked like that day, Brother Marks, as 10,000 men got a hold of the Spirit of prophecy and all at one time just began to sing of the saving power of the Lord. They... They don't know how big their enemy is. They don't know how bad the battle's going to be. But before the battle ever gets there, they start shouting about a God that can say, it kind of reminds me of a song we sing, Sister Mayo. Don't wait till the battle is over. Shout. We will rejoice in thy salvation. Preacher, you can't shout before the problem. If it gets here, oh, yes, I can, because I got a God that saves. You can't dance before you ever get to... Before you ever get to Jericho's walls, that may be what you do. But as for me and my house, I made up my mind a long time ago. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God, Christ Jesus concerning you. I made up my mind a long time ago. If I go down, I'm going down praising. If I go down, I'm going down blessing the name of the Lord. Because I know that there's power in the name of cheese <laughs> that's why them old timers that used to teach us how to pray I'm on, I'll talk about this more at length later but I learned how to pray going to ladies prayer meeting as a little boy with my grandma she would take me to prayer meeting every Monday morning and we'd pray and pray in the Holy Ghost and I can remember Listen, let me just tell you, if you go to ladies' prayer meeting as a seven-year-old boy, you're going to pray through whether you want to or not. <laughs> you get them gray-haired grandmamas that been praying for 40 years. It don't matter if you want the Holy Ghost or not, you'll get it in self-defense. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? 
But I can remember them old timers, Brother Mayo. They'd be praying with you and they'd say, if you don't know what to say, just say Jesus. Say, well, that's a novel idea. Well, let me just tell you tonight, if you don't know what to do, just say Jesus. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. And I think sometimes we get, in, in, in the church, we get to this point where we understand that our, our praise has power. And that the name of Jesus has power. And that pleading the blood of Jesus has power. But we forget really how powerful it is. And we get to the point to where we just say Jesus just when we're about to get in a car wreck. And so we hope that Jesus will come in and take over this, this vehicle that we're about to crash in. And, and you'll just say Jesus when something bad is about to happen. I'm telling you, you ought to get up in the morning saying Jesus. You ought to sit down at lunch saying Jesus. You ought to go to bed at night saying Well, know why? Because there's power. There's power. Not Buddha, not Allah, not Hare Krishna, but there's power in the only saving name, the name of Jesus, for neither is there salvation and any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's salvation power in the name. Come on, if you can't get excited about anything else, you ought to be able to get excited when somebody says, there's power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo. We will rejoice in thy salvation. They're facing a battle. They're facing demise on their own. And they realize that money couldn't win their battle. Because if it could, David was one of the richest men in the world at this point in time. Bishop Mayo, if money could have fixed it, David would have wrote a check and fixed it. But money couldn't fix it. If fame and fortune could have fixed it, David's name alone as the warrior and king of Israel could have fixed it, but fame and fortune wouldn't fix it. But there's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. We will rejoice. I wonder if they started running. I wonder if they started jumping and shouting. I wonder, we're fixing to go to battle, and it looked like they're getting, can you imagine what the enemy thought when they looked over the hill and seen people singing and dancing and shouting when they're getting ready to go to battle? I'm going to tell you, if I was that enemy, I'd be scared to death because they look excited about what they're fixing to go through. You know what? You ought to get excited when you come into church and you're in a battle because you understand God's about to have another victory. God's about to give me a breakthrough. I'm about to fight another battle and win. I'm about to oh, I'm about to put the devil under my feet again. I'm about to show the devil how powerful my God is again. Devil, you better not touch me because if you do, I just want you to know I'm going to use the weapon that God gave me. I'm going to use the power that's in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 6. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done, kind of. A little bit. Verse 6. Bishop Mayo gets his solo. I love to see him play that guitar. He plays it with every fiber of clothing he's got on. He plays it with his toes. He plays it from everywhere. I love watching him play that guitar. Bishop, you get a solo here in verse 6. Because in verse 6, this is the priest alone that is speaking. 
He prophesies. And he says, now know I. Notice the singular portion here again. It's one man speaking. A while ago they said we, but now he says I. Now know I. The preacher said, now I know that the Lord saveth his anointed. Huh. God, I wish I had time to preach this all the way through. He's looking at David, but he's not really looking at David. He's looking through David. He says he will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. He, again, he's looking at David, but he's not really looking at him. He's looking through him. He's looking through David to men like Elijah, that Elijah would stand on top of Mount Carmel and say, Lord, I pray that you would hear me. And with just 50-something words, he would call down fire from heaven. He was looking at men like, men like Elisha that would, that would go and prophesy and say, thus saith the Lord. He was looking at men like Hezekiah who would turn his face to the wall. You know what God was saying is there is somebody that's coming. Then God saveth his anointed and he will hear the anointed from his holy heaven. I understand he was talking about Jesus as well when Jesus was standing at the grave of Lazarus and saying, Lord, I pray that you would hear me. Do you see the theme that's running through Psalms chapter 20? They are praying and God is saying, I hear you when you pray. And in this verse, there's a little bit of a key to the problem, if you will. He said, God saveth his anointed. Not only does he hear his people when they pray, but he saves them when they get anointed. Listen to me. You don't have to be really smart. You just got to get anointed. You don't have to be a preacher to get anointed. You don't have to be a singer to get anointed. If you're a prayer warrior, pray till you get anointed. If you're a worshiper, worship till you get anointed. If you're an aisle runner, run till you get anointed. If you're an outreacher, outreach until you get anointed. Because God will save his anointed. That's why the devil hates it when God's people get anointed. You read it, you read it when Lot is in Sodom. The Bible says that the angels show up and, and, and Lot tells them to come inside. And the Bible says that there's a group of men that come there that day. And when they get there and they, they begin to beat on the door and they ask Lot to send the men inside that that they may lay with him, that they may take the purity that they have. And, and, and what happens, this, this is a picture here, this is just the way my little brain works, is, is if all they wanted was a, a, an ungodly relationship, the Bible says that there were multiple men that day. Why didn't they just turn one to another if all they were interested in was a relationship? They weren't interested in the relationship. They were interested because they wanted to strip the anointing that they seen that the angels had. That's why they were beating down the door. That's why everything the devil throws at you, you hear me right now. That's why the devil's doing everything he can to try to get you out of the house of God. Not because he thinks that you're something, but because he sees the anointing that's on your life and he's scared to death that if you ever start operating in the anointing that God has for you, when you stop trying to be like brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and you stop trying to be like them and them and you just start operating in the anointing that God has for you. You are a force that hell cannot reckon with. 
I'm just going to preach right here because I feel this right now. I feel like we hit a stump, and the only thing I know to do is back up and hit it again. There's some of you that are relying on the anointing of this man of God to try to bring you out of what you're going through. His anointing cannot pull you out of some things. Some things, you're going to have to figure out how to get anointed for yourself. Some things, you're going to have to figure out how to walk in power for yourself. If we're going to have revival, it's going to be because Every individual in Cornerstone says, I am an anointed child of God, and God hears me, and God will save me with his right hand. Don't know. Listen to me. I'll push this thing as hard as I can. I promise you, you won't ever leave this house. You'll, you'll have better preachers. I know that. You'll have better preachers that will come to this church and that'll preach better messages than I'll ever think about. You'll have guys that can, but you won't ever find anybody that's going to push you harder than I am. And you can just get mad at me if you want to. I know, you just, I'm, you, well, preacher, you've been saying that a lot because I want you to get used to it. Because like I said, it's all gas, no brakes. What we've got to do is figure out how right now. It's, it's now. It's not next year. We can't wait to next year. We can't wait to have revival next year. This is the season that we have got to break through this thing that's been holding this church right. And the way we're going to do it, it's, it's not just the strength of the, of the men of God that are in this house. It's not just the strength of the leadership. It's going to be because you get anointed. I don't know why it's this season. I don't, you said it, not me. I don't know why it's this revival. I don't know why it's this moment. But what I do know is what the Holy Ghost has been showing me is some way, somehow, if everybody will get anointed, uh, he's going to hear us from heaven uh, and we're going to have a Holy Ghost breakthrough. Do you realize, uh, do you realize that we can have a hundred people pray through in one service uh, if everybody will get anointed, uh, if everybody will walk in power, if everybody will walk in demonstration of the the Holy Ghost. You can say whatever you want to say about me. You can call me arrogant. But I've been telling the Lord, Lord, I've seen 100 souls revivals. As a matter of fact, I've been preaching. I've been evangelizing nine years. And in nine years' time, I've preached 16 revivals where we had over 100 people that got the Holy Ghost. Thank God for it. But I've been telling the Lord, Lord, I don't want to see that no more. I want to see services where 100 people get the Holy Ghost. And where, where, what a better place to start than right here. I, I felt that spirit of doubt come in right here, but I'm going to back up and hit you in the mouth so hard uh, that you're going to walk out of this building. We can't see 100 people get the Holy Ghost in one service uh, at Cornerstone when God's people get anointed. Uh, come on, get rid of your doubt. Uh, start looking for revival. You are anointed. You are called. You God anointed you to have revival. God anointed you to have a breakthrough. God anointed you to lead. Come on. We got to have revival. It's the last days. God's getting ready to come back. We got to change our city. And the way we do it is we get anointed. God, give us anointed Bible study teachers. Hotabo hoko tabahaya.
I prophesy right now under the unction of the Holy Ghost and anointing to teach Bible studies in this house. There's some of you that have been praying saying, God, I want to teach Bible studies, but I don't know how. You're fixing to receive an anointing right now in this house to teach Bible studies. Lift your hands. In the name of Jesus, make each and every one of of these saints that are in this house a proclaimer of the goodness of Jesus and the power that's in his name. I don't know how it's going to happen. Preacher, you don't have to know how it's going to happen. Just get anointed. Just get anointed. 100 souls in one service. I I can't leave this alone right now. This has been stuck in my crawl for the last two days. It can happen. I'm going to say this again. It can happen. Come on, it could be your family member that you've been praying for that said, I'm not coming back to church. It, it, it could be your neighbor that you've been knocking on their door once a week and just telling them about the goodness of God, and they say, you might as well quit coming. I'm not coming to church. Come on, we can have a 100 souls in one service if we get anointed. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's when everybody gets back together. Man of God says, God hears his anointed. And he saves him. And then, this is the third verse of the, or I like to think of this as the bridge. You know how, Sister Mayo, you've been doing music a long time. You know how some people, they just wait to the bridge before they start shouting. And you can tell when it gets to that one line, everybody gonna come undone. They, they, they reserve in strength. They reserve their worship for that one moment in the song. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. This is that moment because everybody together comes back in and they say, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we, there's power in the name of Jesus. They said, we will remember the name. Do you understand? They don't have the Holy Ghost. They don't have the revelation of the name of the mighty God in Christ. But they had enough faith to look at a God that they've never seen, that they've never heard. They've never heard his name called behind the veil. This is those people that have known God mysteriously. They've known him as the God that comes in with a cloud and a pillar of fire. They've known him as the God of mystery but yet they had enough faith to say we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some may trust in chariots, but chariots are man-made, and my faith isn't in anything that's man-made. And some trust some trust in horses, but horses are bent with men's will, and I'm not trusting in something that was bent with man's will, but we will remember the name of the Lord. Why? I've been hearing a rumor that says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower the righteous run into and they are saved. I want you to understand me. There's power in the name of Jesus. Say, preacher, I know that. I want you to know it so good 
that when you wake up in the morning at 2 o'clock to go eat you some Oreos and milk, that when you're barely stumbling through your house, you just start mumbling, there's power in the name of Jesus. When you get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to brush your teeth and look yourself in the mirror, there's power in the name of Jesus. I would have called that you would, that it wouldn't be far from your lips. When you show up at the job and you clock in, you would start speaking, there's power in the name of Jesus. Because if you're fighting a battle against brokenness, there's power in the name of Jesus to fix your brokenness. If you're fighting, oh, if there's alcoholism on your job, there's power in the name of Jesus to break the hold of alcoholism, to break the hold of drugs. You don't have to harm yourself because there's power in the name of Jesus. You don't have to live in a dysfunctional family because there's power in the name of Jesus. You don't have to live with a dysfunctional mind because there's power in the name of Jesus. Musicians, come. I'm closing. They, who's they? The enemy. They are brought down. Verse 8. They are brought down and fallen. Who's they? We getting ready to go to battle. Who's they? That's the enemy. That's the ones that say they're going to tear us limb from limb. That's the spirits of the Northwest that say we can't have revival. That's the spirits of the Northwest that says depression's been the strong man and he'll be the strong man after this revival's over. Devil, you are a liar. Because there's one that's mighty in this house. There's power in the name of Jesus to tear the spirit of depression. Now, they are brought down and fallen. But we, somebody shout we. Somebody shout we. We are risen and stand upright. They haven't got to the battle yet, but they're prophesying with David. And they said they are brought down. Our enemy's going to be destroyed. Our enemy's going to lose. But we're going to stand upright. We're going to look the devil in the eye. And we're going to proclaim victory. Save, Lord. Let the king hear us when we call. You want to know why I believe that this, this revival is a revival of breakthrough and miracles and signs and wonders? Because God made flesh already living in the future, said in these signs shall these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In, in, what, in what name? In the name of Jesus. In my name. In my name. In my name. I'm just teaching tonight. We'll preach tomorrow night. <laughs> But devil, you better get ready. As David said, when he faced that giant of the Northwest, he said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear. But David never said, I come to you with a sling and with a staff. Because he realized there ain't any power. There's no power in the weapons that I have. 
He said, you come to me with a sword and with a shield, but I come unto you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I, I just came with a word from every demon in the Northwest out of Mississippi. You come against me with swords and with shields, but I come against you in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every other name, the name that heals sickness, the name that casts out disease, the name that picks people. I'm telling you, we're going to have miracles in this revival because there's power in the name of Jesus. Somebody going to come in this house with cancer and going to go home and say, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed because there's power in the name of Jesus. This is what the Holy Ghost spoke to me this morning. What the, I was getting up mad at the world because it was 4 o'clock in the morning and I didn't go to bed till 3. And I didn't go to sleep till 3.30. I was mad at everybody, Brother Marks. But I got up and I try not to take too many steps before I start talking to Jesus. I started talking to Jesus. And this is what the Holy Ghost spoke to me. He said, I am reinstating I am reinstating what happened with the apostles in the Northwest. I said, God, what are you talking about? He said, they went and miracle signs and wonders followed them. And when miracle signs and wonders followed them, they had, they had apostolic revival and people started seeing the, the one God message. I did not know, Brother Marks had to tell me when I got here today, I did not know that somebody left pushing and, and they got rid of their walker. I did not know, that was four o'clock this morning. I didn't hear about that till I landed at lunch and God gave me a confirmation through Brother Marks uh, that he is doing what he said he was going to do. You want to hear me right now? Write this down. God is just getting started. That was just the first miracle of many with these signs. There's power in the name of Jesus. I wish somebody step out of your pew right now and lift your hands and begin to shout the name of Jesus. Proclaim the name of Jesus over your situation. Come on. There's going to be a miracle at Cornerstone on a Monday night because there's power in the name of Jesus. Open up your mouth and speak Jesus. Speak to him. 